welcome back to Yesterday Today. It's a uh, it's an interesting day here at the studio. We're we're prepping. I don't know if prepping is the right word, but we're uh, getting ready for the coming blizzard. Uh, we got the got the janitor out front. He's been laying salt down on the sidewalk. Um, just been making sure we have everything. You know, everything tied down. Everything secured. Snows are coming. Uh, I'm Jake, by the way. This is McLean here. The hope is that we'll be able to finish this episode and go home before the blizzard hits. Because if I have to spend the night in this studio with Sydney, I will kill myself. So, the stakes are high. Yeah, the mortality rate on that is quite high, in fact. Quite high. But uh, it's always good that uh, these these sorts of uh, weather events... There's a, there's a little bit of advanced time so you can, you know, get ready for these things. So, yeah, we're hoping to finish up here and get out so we don't get... Yeah, strain it at all. That'd be, that would be nice. That would be ideal, I would say. Okay, fellas, I got the sidewalks all salted up. I'm not really sure, uh, not really sure what the purpose of that is. I was going through quite a few of the, uh, salt chankers we had in the, uh, in the, in the green room there. And, uh, kind of ran out, so I used pepper for the last couple of, you know, last couple of feet of sidewalk there. So I hope that'll work out fine. You are a hero, Sydney. You are unequivocally the greatest man to ever live. You know, I've always thought so. It's just hard to convince other people, you know, because they're always like, Oh, Sydney, you're so annoying. Oh, Sydney, you ran over my cat with the car. Yeah, it's a whole big thing. Hey, man. Hey, man. Not, not the point, not the point. You can't let the haters get to you. I try not to. I really try not to. Anything else you need to do, guys, before uh, before the uh, snow starts falling? Oh, let's see here. Um, No, I think we're pretty good. I think that's about it. That's the last thing on the list here, so you can go home if you want to. I, uh, he said you can go home if you want to? Well, um, really wasn't, uh, really wasn't looking forward to, uh, uh, weathering the storm in my, in my house. It's a, uh, it's a tree, if you guys will recall. There's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of protection from the elements when you live in a tree like I do. Um, it's a, it's an interesting life I've chosen for myself, frankly. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I understand, Sydney. I, I understand that. There's nothing false about that statement. Hey, you know, I'm gonna go talk to the landlord and see if I can, uh, I don't know, camp out in the closet again for a while. You know, for the for the amount of times you spend in this studio, I think you should start paying part of rent. Whoa, 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 buddy. I'm just committed to my job, that's all, all right? Hey, nobody dings the guy who works on a 9-to-5 in an office building for staying late. So maybe, maybe chill out a bit, okay? Anyway, I'm gonna go see the landlord. See you, Sydney. Alright, well, first up we have an episode of The Aldrich Family, entitled Lost in the Snow. Uh, we felt it would be appropriate, as there is a uh, blizzard coming, that, you know, we'd have snow-themed episodes today. It's, uh, it's just, <clears throat> it seemed like a good idea at the time. Anyway, but anyway, here is, uh, here's The Aldrich Family. We're eating Sydney first if we get snowed in and start starving. Oh, indubitably. Indubitably. Henry! Henry Aldrich! Coming, Mother! Postum presents the Aldrich family, written by Clifford Goldsmith. Entertainment for all the family, brought to you by Postum, a tempting, wholesome drink for all the family. Postum.
Have you noticed, friends, how a mother can sing as simple a melody as that to a baby? And very often, even before she's finished the song, that baby is sunk in sweet, sound slumber. But as we grow older, many of us lose the ability to slip off to sleep quickly. And isn't that particularly true about some of you who drink coffee? For coffee does keep many people awake, even though others can drink it without ill effect. If you happen to be one of the wakeful ones, it might be sensible to switch to Postum, which contains no caffeine or other stimulant. Nothing at all that can possibly rob you of sleep. Postum has a grand flavor, you know. Rich, full-bodied. The kind of drink that makes you fairly expand with satisfaction. So if you think coffee disturbs your sleep, start now to make Postum your regular mealtime drink instead of coffee. Give it a fair trial. And then see if you're not pleased as punch that you switched. First, because you're sleeping so much better. And second, because Postum is such a really swell drink. is a boy, and that's all there is to it. He gets into difficulties somehow, and he gets out of them somehow, like Henry Aldrich. But what happens in between is usually unforgettable. The scene opens at the Aldrich dinner table. Will you have another piece of cherry pie, Sam? No, thank you, Alice. Sam, are you upset about something? Who, I, Alice? No, what makes you think I'm upset? Well, dear, you've hardly spoken during this entire dinner. Well, frankly, I don't for the life of me see why you had to invite Homer over here for dinner and to spend the night. Sam, I had to. His mother and father have gone over to Abbott City. And besides, one more person certainly isn't going to make any great difference. But, Alice, do you realize it's 20 minutes after 8 and we're finishing dinner and Henry and Homer haven't even shown up yet? Yes, dear, and I'm going to speak to both of them. Although the only thing I feel bad about is these potato pancakes. And that's another thing, Alice. How did we happen to have potato pancakes? Well, I was going to have cream cauliflower, but Homer says he doesn't eat it. That's still no excuse for for potato pancakes. Sam, they're one of Homer's favorite dishes. That's also why I went to the trouble of making a cherry pie. Homer loves cherries. Then I say the least he could have done was to have been here in time to eat them. Just where are the boys? Can't we phone them someplace? Well, I don't know where they are. They left here right after school and went out to sell war bonds. They're selling war bonds? Yes, dear. They've both been made Minutemen? Minutemen? Well, they're an hour and a quarter late. <laughs> Alice, how do you know something hasn't happened to them? Now, Sam, just be sensible. They certainly aren't very far away. Oh, that may be Henry right now. He wants you to come and get him someplace. You tell Henry that wherever he is, he's to start for home at once. Yes, dear. Hello? Yes, Mrs. Kendall, this is Mrs. Aldrich. Oh, really? Really, this afternoon? You don't say so. Well, Mrs. Kendall, I'll tell him. Thank you for calling. Goodbye. Alice, did you tell him his dinner's getting cold? Uh, Sam, that was Mrs. Kendall, and she's terribly upset. Yes? What's the trouble? Well, she just discovered Henry made out a war bond pledge for her to sign, and she thought it was for $100, and it was for 1000 Yeah. And he also left one of his fur-lined gloves there. At the Kendall's? Alice, the Kendall's live at least a mile and a half out of town. Yes, dear, on the north road. But a mile and a half isn't so far. I know, but it started to snow. It's snowing hard, and I say they ought to be here. Did 
Did you get your folks, Henry? No, Homer. Gee whiz, the line's still busy. Boy. Every time I call him, it seems to be busy. Boys, we just had a phone call for you. You did, Mrs. Cooper, from my father? From your father? No, for Mrs. Snyder. She lives about a mile on up the road. Mrs. Snyder? Yes, she called to ask whether you know you left one of your overshoes at her house. We did. Oh, boy, look, it's mine. Now, listen, homie, you're getting more darn careless. Well, I can't remember everything, Henry. I have to carry all our pencils and all our bond information, don't I? Say, aren't you boys sort of hungry? Hungry? I've got some nice corned beef and cabbage out in the kitchen. I could warm up for you. Oh, no, Henry's mother has a swell dinner waiting for us. She fixed some potato pancakes and a cherry pie, just because I like them. Potato pancakes and cherry pie? Sure. As a matter of fact, I like any kind of cherries. Just so long as they're canned. Well, you're easy to please, aren't you? Good, Jane. Yes, well, I'll be right there. Henry, don't you think you ought to try phoning your folks again? Well, I'll try, Homer. But my folks know we're out selling bonds, and if they aren't worried, why should we get upset? Alice, if that's the boys, I want to speak to them. Hello? Yes, this is Samuel Aldrich. Who is it, Sam? It's long distance. Oh, my goodness. Hello? Sam, who is it? Hello? Alice, it's Homer's mother. Oh, my goodness, from way over in Abbott City? Yes, Elizabeth, Homer's fine. No, he's no trouble at all. Mrs. Aldrich made some potato pancakes for him tonight, and... and You want to speak to them? Well, Elizabeth, right this minute, he's... Uh, um, he and Henry stepped out for a few minutes, but there's nothing to worry about. I don't think. Yes, Elizabeth. We'll see that he wears his overshoes. Yes, goodbye. Sam, do you realize it's going on nine o'clock? Well, what if it is? But don't you realize it's snowing out and Henry has only one glove? I know it, Alice, but you told me not to worry. Dear, if Elizabeth Brown was worried enough to call all the way from Abbott City, it seems to me the least you can do is worry a little. Sam, let me answer it. I'll see who it is. Hello? Yes, this is Mrs. Aldrich. Yes, Mr. Edmonds. My goodness, two hours ago? His earmuffs? Well, thank you so much. Goodbye. Where is he? Henry left his earmuffs at the Edmonds out on the North Road nearly two hours ago. At the Edmonds? That means they're getting farther and farther away from home. And Sam, just listen to that wind howl out there. Well, I know what I'm going to do. Sam, where are you going? Get my hat and coat. You mean you're going to look for them? But, Sam, do you think you can drive the car through this snowstorm? Now, don't worry about me, Alice. It's the boys you've got to think about. Boys comfortable in the other room, Jane? Yes, Will. And, Will, don't say anything, but I'm going to surprise them. Yes? I'm going to fix them some potato pancakes and open a can of cherries. Yeah. Was that all? Well, one of them says it's all he ever eats. Yes? Mr. Cooper? Yes, sir, I'll be right there. Uh, Mr. Cooper, are you sure your phone works all right? I don't know why it shouldn't. Uh, you boys wouldn't like to stay overnight, would you? Oh, no, no thanks. If we don't get home before long, my, my folks might begin to wonder where we are. Sorry we couldn't buy a bond from you boys. If we only had some way to get our cow into town and sell her, I'd be able to buy one. You would, Mr. Cooper? Yeah, but my truck's broken down. Well, Henry, why couldn't we help him get his cow into town? Sure. We could walk her in for you. Well, if you want to come out and get her someday, she's right out there in the barn. And you'll buy a war bond? We'll turn every cent we can get for her into bonds. Well, where's the can opener? Uh, just a minute, Jane. I'll be right there. Boy, Henry, I'll bet if we could sell that cow, we'd get $50 for her. 50 Homer. 50 
Are you crazy? Is that too much for a good cow? Too much, Homer. Gee whiz, I heard of a cow once selling for a thousand dollars. A thousand? Or maybe it was two or three thousand. Just an ordinary cow? What do you mean ordinary? She gave something like five tons of butter a year. Does that sound very ordinary? Five tons of butter? Sure. Are you sure it was butter? Homer, the point is we can sell Mr. Cooper a bond. Oh. Well, listen, Henry, is that the wind I hear outside? Why? We ought to be getting started for home. What do you say we take a look out the front door? Put your things on first, Homer. I'm putting them on. I'm putting them on. Come on, let's take a look out here. Oh, boy. Henry, do you think we ought to go home tonight? We've got to. Don't you realize we're going to sell more bonds tomorrow, and we've got to get an early start? Well, that's true. Well, let's get started. Oh, Mrs. Cooper. Mrs. Cooper! that door open like that. Close it and come on. Okay. Now, don't push me, Homer. I'm not pushing you. I'm just hanging on to it. Listen, Homer, I've got an idea. Boy, if we can do it. Thank you. I understand Henry and a friend of his were out here, and I thought you might give me some information as to which way they went. Well, as I recall it, they were here about six o'clock. Mr. Edmonds bought a bond from them. Oh, and incidentally, here are Henry's earmuffs. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. But I have no idea as to which direction they went from here, Mr. Aldrich. No. Do you mind if I use your phone, Mrs. Edmonds? No, help yourself. It's right here. Hello? Number, please. Elm 303. Elm 303? Please. You mean your boy's lost? Oh, no. No, Henry isn't lost, but... It's getting on toward 10 o'clock, and naturally we feel more comfortable. Hello? Hello, is this you, Alice? Yes, dear, where are you? I'm out at the Edmonds. Well, my goodness, Sam, they announced on the radio that the storm was getting worse and the cars were getting stuck. And I phoned for a tow truck to go out and find you. Alice, why did you do that? Because I hadn't heard from you, Sam. Did you find the boy? Uh, No, Alice, I thought that maybe by this time you would have some word from them. Well, I've had one phone call, Sam, from the Joneses. The Joneses? They live out on the North Road. And Mr. Jones says Henry and Homer had been there, and that after they left, he found an automatic pencil with your name on it. My pencil? Yes, dear. Well, that's a fine thing. Alice, I'm going to have a talk with Henry. Now, dear, let's not worry about a pencil at a time like this. Let's find the boys. All right. Goodbye, dear. Goodbye. Mrs. Edmonds. Yes, Mr. Aldrich. Which direction do the Joneses live from here? Well, you want to go on out this road about two more miles. Two miles? Yes. Are the boys out there? No, but they've been out that way. Mr. Aldrich. I've just been talking with Mr. Edmonds, and he's going to take his car and work in the other direction. You sure it won't be too much trouble? No, not at all. He went to bed a little early tonight, but just as soon as he gets his clothes on, he'll be starting. Oh, thanks. Uh, Some night out. Mr. Aldrich, don't you want me to get you a paper bag to put those earmuffs in? No, thank you. I'll put them right on. Is this some night, Homer? Keep your head down, Henry, and sort of walk backwards. What do you think I'm doing? Boy! Henry, look ahead. There's a truck or something. Where? Right down the road. It's just standing there. Oh, boy! Come on! I'm coming. It's only so fast I can go, though, Henry. Gee whiz, I'm not Hercules. Look, Homer, it's a tow truck. Hey, mister! Mister! Who's that? It's us! Can you give us a lift, please? Okay, 
if I can get out of this drift here. Well, gee whiz, are you going all the way into Centerville? Yep. Just as soon as I find a car I'm out looking for. Hop on the back. Well, look, uh, do you have room for a cow on your truck? What's that? We've got this cow, see? We're taking her into town for a guy, and we're going to surprise him. You're what? Sure. He wants to buy a bond. Say, ain't she cold? Oh, gee, no. We got two blankets tied around her. Jane, how are you coming? Shall I tell the boys to come into their supper? Not for another minute, Will. I want to get these potato pancakes a little bit browner. I knew all the time we'd find a can of cherries down the cellar. Just a case of our keeping on, we located them. <laughs> Didn't I hear Bess mooing when we came up from the cellar? What if you did? She's all right. She couldn't warm out there in the barn. Of course she is. She likes the cold. All right, Will. You better call them. Uh, boys, Mrs. Cooper has a little surprise for you. Boys. Tell them to hurry right up, Will. Uh, boys. Oh, boys. Come with Henry. You know, Henry, she isn't a bad cow, is she? No, she isn't. And I think she likes walking better than she did riding on that truck. Boy, that wasn't a lot of work. Just nicely got her on the darn thing, and he runs right into another drift. That driver was a nice guy, though. It was very decent of him to promise to buy a bond from us. Well, wait a second, Henry, wait a second. What's the matter? Have... Have we gotten off the road a little? Oh, boy, where'd this snowdrift come from? And now wait, Homer. Get around on the other side of her and we'll try to back her out. Oh, wait a second, Henry, wait a second. I think she's getting cold around the ears. Well, what are you going to do? Tie my muffler around her head, what do you think? Well, gee whiz, that's a good idea. Then she'll be really comfortable. <laughs> Aldrich's residence. Why, no, Mr. Kilmer, I haven't heard a word from Sam. Yes, Mr. Kilmer, they went right out on the north road. Well, if you don't mind taking your car out on a night like this, I'd certainly appreciate it. Gee, Homer, it's nice and warm in here. Yeah, boy. Imagine finding a roadside stand open this time of night. Boy, I wish we had a little money with us. I'll say. Something smells good, doesn't it? Homer, are you sure you tied Bess real tight? Sure, I tied her with a special slip knot I learned from a guy. She ought to be very comfortable where we left her. There isn't any wind there or anything. Something I can do for you, boy? Oh, why, no, ma'am. We just... uh, We couldn't have a sort of a drink of water, could we? A drink of water? Yeah, we've been out in that darn storm, and, and are we thirsty? Which way are you driving? We're not driving, we're walking. Walking? Yeah, we've been selling more bonds, and, and I guess we got a little further out than we thought we had. You've been selling bonds? Yeah. Had any dinner? Uh, no, ma'am. That's why we'd sort of appreciate a glass of water, if it wouldn't be too much trouble. 
Well, you certainly ought to have something to eat. I'll be glad to fix you up. Free of charge, free of charge. You want a hamburger and some soup? A hamburger? The only thing is, you don't have any potato pancakes, do you? Potato pancakes? And canned cherries. I sort of had my mind made up for those all day. Potato pancakes? And do you have any hay? Any hay? Sure, for best. She's outside. Henry, she wouldn't want some corn, too, would she? No, Homer, it might upset her. Well, I can get you the potato cakes and the cherries, but I can't get you the rest. Well, that's all right. I think Bess had a little supper before we left anyhow. Say, boys, have either of you got a shotgun? What's that? A shotgun? Yeah, yeah, there's a moose outside here. Gee whiz, a moose. Get the daylight out of me. First it made a noise like a cow, and then as it swung around the building here and headed out toward the road, I saw it was a big, shaggy moose. Homer, come on. Listen, Henry, I'm not going to chase any moose. Where'd it go, mister? Where'd it go? He headed right up the road there. Homer, aren't you coming? That's best. Come on. I don't know. It begins to look as if Homer Brown would never get those potato pancakes, doesn't it? On the other hand, by the time he and Henry plow through another mile or two of cold and snow, they may be lots more interested in something good and hot to drink. And that could very well be Postum. For Postum is certainly a good drink, and served piping hot in the cup with cream or top milk added to taste, Postum has a look that says, Drink Me, in capital letters. And as for taste... It's my opinion there isn't a mealtime drink made that can beat that tantalizing goodness, that lusty, robust postum flavor, a flavor that's really distinctive, really unusual. Now, that means you mustn't expect when you try it that postum is going to taste like coffee any more than you'd expect coffee to taste like tea. Remember, postum has its own special goodness. And like as not, when you've once discovered how very good that is, you and Postum will be mealtime partners the rest of your days. So tomorrow, get Postum at your grocer's. And tomorrow night, get set to enjoy one of America's great mealtime drinks, Postum. Now getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldrich. Henry and his friend Homer outselling war bonds have been unable to get back home in time for dinner because of a heavy blizzard. The scene opens on a road some distance outside Centerville. The time is very late at night. Aren't you Mr. Aldrich from Centerville? I am. Well, guess you're the fellow I was sent out to tow in. Oh, yeah? How'd you get your car sideways across the road like this? Well, I've been out looking for my son and a friend of his, and... I was driving along, and I know you won't believe me, but coming right up the road toward me, I saw a bear. What's that? A big black bear. He was walking on all fours, and I jammed on the brakes and swerved around like this. Well, Mr. Aldridge, there aren't any bears in this part of the country. That's what I thought, but I saw it with my own eyes. What's that, another car trying to get by? Hey, what's the trouble there? There's a fellow here says he was just attacked by a bear. What's that? Look, while you're hooking on, I'll go into this roadside stand here and phone my wife. Something I can do for you? Uh, good evening. Uh, you have a telephone here? Sure, right over there by that jukebox. Well, by the way, you couldn't be fixing something up for me that's hot, could you? Well, I've got a special on tonight. Potato pancakes. Potato pancakes? No, thanks. I'll just telephone.
now. I'm coming. Boy, am I cold. Mother will fix us up with something right away. Mother! Mrs. Aldrich. Mother! Father! She was... Do you suppose they've gone out? Come on, Henry. Let's see what's out in the kitchen. You know, I think Bess is going to be very comfortable where we left her. I don't know why she shouldn't be. Look, Homer, look in the icebox. Your favorite food. What is it, Henry? What is it? Potato pancakes. And boy, do I like them cold. And look, Homer, there's half a cherry pie there. Oh, boy, we'll split it, Henry. Here, put it on here over on the kitchen table. Okay. Oh, boy, what a dinner. Oh, boy. Now, listen, Homer, when you cut that pie, at least use a knife. It breaks all right, Henry. It breaks very nicely. <laughs> Hand me a potato pancake. Don't bother me, Homer. I, I just found something. What? A note here. It's for my father. It says, Sam, Harriet called and thinks they might have gone to the movies. Have gone down to the movies to look. Who wrote it? My mother. Who do you think? Boy, I wonder if it's a good picture she's seen. Aren't you going to eat anything, Henry? Here, Homer, use a fork. Remember, you're a guest. I don't need a fork. I'll just roll them up and slip them in. Answer the phone, will you, while I catch up with you. Okay. Homer, won't you please hurry? I'm going to answer it, Henry. I've got to get my mouth emptied first, though. Hello? Who? Well, this is Homer Brown. Oh, gee whiz, is that you, Mother? Sure, this is Homer. Well, I haven't been any place. Oh, we got a cow, see? <laughs> a cow! We're going to turn it into war bonds. <laughs> No, Mr. and Mrs. Aldrich aren't here. They've gone to the movies. Sure. And in a few minutes, I'm going to bed. Sam, is that you? Yes, Alice. My goodness, dear, where have you been? Where have I been? Where have I been? Where are the boys? Haven't you found them? No, Alice. All I found were these earmuffs, this overshoe, and my pencil. Where were you when I was trying to phone you? Sam, didn't you get my note? What note? Oh, of course you didn't, dear. How could you? I've been down to the movies. You went to the movies? Yes, dear, and I just called Harriet and gave her a piece of my mind. What about? She gets the silliest ideas, Sam. First she called me and said she thought she'd seen the boys going to the movies earlier in the evening. And now what do you think she says? What? She says there's a story going around that somebody saw a bear out on the edge of town. What's wrong with that? What? I saw a bear myself. Now, Sam. I did, Alice. That's how I got stuck. Has something gone wrong with the car? No, it's all right now. I've got it out in front. And what I want to know is where I'm going to look for the boys next. Alice. Do you hear what I just heard? No, dear. What was it? Well, I'm not sure, but it sounded like a cow. Now, Sam, first you see a bear, and then you come home and hear cows. I don't know what it is I hear... But it certainly is something, and I'm going out to see what it is. But, Sam! Hello? What's that, Mrs. Edmonds? Mr. Edmonds is back home? He had to leave his car on a hill. Oh, isn't that a shame? Mr. Aldrich left what at your place? His scarf? Well, thank you so much for calling. Mother! Goodbye. Mother, is that you down there? Henry Aldrich, where are you? Gee whiz, I've been in bed. Did you see a good picture? Henry, what's happened to Homer? Oh, me, Mrs. Aldrich. I'm all right. I just have a little stomachache. For some reason, Mother, we weren't able to get to sleep. May I ask where you've been? Selling bonds, Mother. And it looks as though we're going to break all the records. Boy, I'll say. We sold a bond at darn near every place we went to. But, dear... Oh, gee, look at my earmuffs. 
Did I leave these here before I start off today? Henry, your father found those. Father? Where is he? He's outside, dear. And when he comes in, I wouldn't bother him very much. Is something wrong with him, Mrs. Aldrich? He's tired, Homer. Very tired. And so much on edge, he even thinks he hears a cow. A cow, Mother? Yes, dear. He just stepped out to look for one. Gee whiz, Henry. Do you suppose Bess is calling us? Who? Bess, Mother. Bess. Our war bond cow. Sure, Mrs. Aldrich. We're going to surprise a farmer. Surprise a what? A farmer, Mother. We're going to sell his cow for him. Where? Where? Henry, where is the cow? Out in the garage. In the garage? Sure, we brought her all the way into town. Through this door? Yes, Mother, but we kept her good and warm. And we now have a cow out in our garage? Sure, we even gave her some oatmeal. Boy, did she lap it up. Now, dear, oatmeal. Sure, Mother, we even put some milk on it. Milk? You gave her some of our milk? Oh, no, Mrs. Aldrich. We drew some off of her and poured it on the oatmeal. I'd go back upstairs before your father comes in. Right now? Right now. Will you promise to call us, Mrs. Aldrich, if he feels best wants us? Yes, dear. Come on, Homer. As a matter of fact, I'm beginning to feel the strain a little myself. Same here. At least I want to lie down. Alice? Yes, Sam? I know you'll say I'm seeing things, but there is a cow in our garage. Well, yes, dear. Of course there is. What's that? The boys put her there. What boys? Henry and Homer. They're upstairs in bed. Why didn't you tell me? What did they bring a cow home for? Well, Sam... Of all... Now, Sam, where are you going? I'm going up and have a talk with them. Now, Sam, come back here. What for? Don't you realize those boys have been selling bonds all day? That's no excuse, Alice. Think of what I've been through tonight. But do you think of what they've been through, too? They sold a bond at every house they went to. Yes? And that cow, Sam, that upset you so. Do you realize what that cow is? What? A war bond pledge. What's that? Yes, dear. And they led her all the way back to town through this storm and everything. They hadn't even had supper. My goodness, Sam, don't you realize what that means? But, Alice, they might have given us a little consideration. Sam, they hadn't even given themselves consideration. There's only one thing that was important, and that was to sell just as many bonds as they possibly could. That's the only spirit with which we're going to win this whole war. Well... Mother! Yes, dear? Could you come take a look at Homer? At Homer? Yes, please. He's beginning to think the cherries in that pie weren't pitted. <laughs> Friends, you can get Postum in two forms, Postum and Instant Postum. Instant Postum is the quick and easy way to make one cup or six. Because Instant Postum dissolves instantly in your cup by just adding boiling water. No matter which form of Postum you choose, however, you can count on enjoying a delightful and distinctive treat. For Postum is one of America's great mealtime drinks. Here you are, Mrs. Cooper. Yes, Mr. Aldrich. Here's the money the boys got when they sold your cow. Well, thank you. And now you can sign a pledge for a bond. Well, it certainly was nice of you to drive all the way out here. Won't you stay and have a little bite of lunch with us? Can we, Father? Well, fine, fine. All right, I'll go out to the kitchen and put the potato pancakes on. Potato pancakes? Now, wait. Listen again next week, same time, same station, for another sparkling half hour with your favorite youngster, his family, and his pals. The Aldrich Family is written by Clifford Goldsmith. The original musical score is conducted by Jack Miller.
And this is Dan Seymour saying, your host tonight is Postum, and Postum is one of America's great mealtime drinks. It's good drinking. Good night. All right, welcome back. That was the Aldridge family. Up next, we have a little Feather McGee and Molly, which I felt would be good. Um, <clears throat> McLean, there is a knock on the door right now, as you can hear in the background there. You hear that knock? And I am afraid that it may be a passerby who has slipped on our icy, insufficiently salted sidewall. So so if it's any sort of a, a, a legal complaint or like a threat to bring lawsuit, uh, just have him take it up with Sydney, okay? If you can go answer that for me. I think we could probably blame the landlord on this one, yeah. Um, technically, we only rented out this studio, not the sidewalk, so that's not really on us. So, yeah. Oh, hi. Hey. Willie. Oh, uh, thank you for opening the door for me. Uh, much appreciated. Yeah, yeah. thank you for stopping by. Uh, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll see you around. No, no, hang on. Oh, ow, ow, oh, oh, that, that's my forging hand. Come on. Oh, jeez. Oh, watch the fingers of the pinky. My goodness. Here, hang on. Willie, what do you want? I, I can't remember. Is this a take your shoes off or leave them on kind of place? Oh, I'll just keep them on. That's how I sleep anyway. How y'all doing? Oh my goodness gracious, Willie! Hey, what a, uh, what on earth are you doing here? And where's your uh, child sidekick? Oh, yeah, I kind of had to leave him at the sleeping shelter. See, they they kicked me out, but uh, let him stay for reasons that really aren't too relevant to get into. Say, listen, I just picked up a whole cup of free salt somebody left outside, so I'm fitting to make myself like a cake or something like that. Want to see if I can borrow a few ingredients from you? Here, take a look at this. Somebody just left this outside on the ground. Yeah, yeah, that's what that was said. Anyway, Willie, why, why are you here? What are you doing? What do you want? <laughs> well, now that I got this, I wanted to bake myself something. You know, I ain't got no stove. Uh, you know, I got some box that I sit on to try to warm it up. It doesn't quite get to the right temperature. So I wanted to see if I could make use of that electrical stove you got over there. Uh, maybe use that table you got to write some things on. Willie. Uh, maybe that piece of floor right there to sleep on. Willie, we're, we're trying to close the building up and go home before this blizzard hits, so... Oh, y'all, know, y'all could go really home, but... Think it'd be... You could just close me in. Uh, no, I don't think that's going to be happening either, actually. I, I don't need bathroom access or nothing like that, and I give myself a little, you know, paper towel shower. I, I just need somewhere to be for... It's, it's awful out there, fellas. I mean, I... I just need somewhere to be. I understand the sentiment there, Willie, but it's really not up to us whether you can squat in this building while nobody's around. I think you have to talk to the landlord about that. You know, speaking of landlords, I've been dealing with a landlord and a farmer who's had this whole herd of cattle that he's been having me galvanize since we got this whole storm brewing up and all. Uh, Willie, what scam are you running now? Well, it's no scam. It's galvanizing. Galvanizing cattle. Ain't you heard of that before? I can promise you I have not heard of galvanizing Oh, well, well, let me edumacate and edify you. So, listen here. So when you galvanize cattle, you sort of fortify them for them cold nights, since cows don't quite like it cold. You know, you don't want the milk turned into ice cream while it's still in the udders. So you give them a yeah. series of these injections, mm-hmm. and these injections allow them to stay warm even when it's cold on the outside. What kind of injections allow a cow to stay warm? Oh, same thing that helps a man stay warm. Book whiskey. See, we get myself that 100% straight book whiskey. You get it right into their mouths, and they kind of fight back against it, and they choke a few times, and they got four stomachs that you got to fill up. But they don't know what hit them. The cold won't bother them one bit once you pump them full of book whiskey. It's good stuff. That's just fantastic. I had no idea you were you had such a... Uh... 
such a knack for agriculture. Well, yeah, I'm a real I'm a real humane uh, person at heart. So when it comes to getting cows all messed up on homemade alcohol, that's just where I'm at. Oh yeah, I'm sure the uh, Thanksgiving folk would appreciate that. Yeah, I remember those guys. They're still after me. They got posters up of me. I tear them down. I keep a couple in my pockets because uh, the the photo they got of me is one of them traffic photos. You know where you're? They're all ooh, oops, that was a that was a red light. One of them kind of photos looks pretty good. Oh, oh yeah, you you speeding by in the uh, in the Prius with the Billy and the turkey, huh? You know, Priuses are the only thing I'll drive. They're good for the environment, I hear. A- anyway, listen. Uh, while I'm uh, going through your things, I was wondering if I could borrow some of these clothes that y'all ain't using anymore. You know, it's so cold out, maybe you ain't using your summer clothes, because, you know, them cows, you, you put a couple extra layers on them. You know, this hat, maybe, or... Oh, that's, you know, you that's still got my s- jacket. I'm wearing that on the way out. Hey, you still got some of them uh, clothes from that university I lost. Hey, we could use some of that. That's perfect. Well, it's Sydney's yeah. old cap and gown. I... Oh, he won't miss it. It's really hard to gauge Sydney's reaction to most things, I've found, but yeah, I, okay. Uh, say, wh- while I'm going through your kitchen, where do y'all keep your colanders? I need about, I don't know, 75 or so. Colanders? Like for draining stuff? Like yeah, a colander? Yeah, col- you know, that's got the good holes in there. See, you get one with good-sized holes, or you can even kind of bore out the holes, yeah. and it fits right over the whole udder package. You gotta kind of, you know, flip the little dipsy doodles through the holes, and then you can milk them, but they're still protected with the colander that you tie on there. Uh, I'll take uh, every one that you got. Let me see here. Uh, let me root through here. I'm sad to say we don't have a single one. Willie. Not a single one? Oh, yeah. boy, y'all are really putting me out. I'll I'll head down to the colander store. Those cattle are going to have to have some cold udders. I'm I'm sorry to say. Oh, we'll figure something out. I'll, I'll get out there and do a hand massage if I have to. Where's this landlord at that y'all were talking about? I want to see about sleeping around. And I figure he's got the lowdown. Uh, well, I'll, I'll try to see if I can find him to talk to you, Willie. But I'm look. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, get my hopes too high on this. In the meantime, here's some Fibber McGee and Molly, folks. Well, Molly, we got it done. The worst blizzard and wistful vista in history is supposed to hit tonight, and we're ready for it. Give me the final countdown on the canned goods so I can set up a racing system in case we're snowed in, will you? Well, I added all of the things you bought today with the supplies we already had in the fruit closet. Good. And even so, it only gives us twelve bottles of horseradish. Eight bottles of ketchup, a five-pound sack of poultry seasoning, nine cans of cat food, and one jar of India relish. Okay. It's good to know where we stand. I foresee a serious shortage of India relish. And from now till the end of the present emergency, nobody gets any without my written permission. Is that clear? Oh, McGee, don't be so dramatic. Neither one of us ever eats India relish. Molly, I am not being dramatic. Human lives may hang in the balance, namely ours. You don't know how tough things can get if you're snowed in for weeks at a time. Now, have we got plenty of candles to use when the electricity fails? Yes. I hunted through the attic and I found about 20. Good. We'll use 10 of them for lighting and keep the other 10 in reserve to eat in case we run out of food. Didn't say on the box what flavor they are. When it's a matter of survival, don't worry about the flavor. Now, let's see. I've got my skis and my snowshoes out. We're pretty well fixed for blankets to handle shot cases. Yes, sir. No matter how you figure it, we're ready for the blizzard. And I'll bet no other household in town can make that statement. Oh, I don't know about that. There's a family of Eskimos living someplace over near 14th and Oak. I imagine they're ready. I doubt it. In all my years of battling blizzards, I never saw an Eskimo who was ready. They keep you waiting for two hours while they hitch up them dogs of theirs. (laughs) Well, I certainly hope we don't get as much snow as they're predicting. It would be terrible for people who had to get downtown to work. They predicted four feet originally, but of course that's when they were saying it would start about noon. 
It's almost four now, and the sky is still pretty clear. Yes. I was just noticing what a beautiful, sunshiny day it is. Yep. In fact, it almost seems too warm to snow. Yeah. It was 44 on the thermometer by the window the last time I checked. But I imagine the cold front is starting to move in. That usually happens before a big snow. I was just going to tell you that that usually happens before a big snow. Let's see how much the temperature has dropped so far. Hmm. That's funny. What is it? 52. Some freak of nature, I guess. Well, when it starts going down, it'll go down fast. Say, where's the morning paper, dearie? I've been so busy helping you get ready for the blizzard that I haven't had a chance to read about it. Right there on the table by the big chair. Boy, I'll never forget the first glimpse I got of that headline, History-Making Blizzard on the Way. McGee. I knew in a flash that quick thinking and quick action were called for. So I quick thought and I quick acted all over the place. McGee. It's times of disaster that separate the men from the boys. I'll tell you that, boy. McGee, this paper with the headline about the blizzard is three years old. Everybody stands around waiting for a leader like me to... What'd you say? I said this paper with the blizzard story in it is three years old. Must have been the one you had those old photographs in that you mounted this morning. The forecast in today's paper is fair and warmer. Yeah. Well, I just kind of did the whole thing, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Looks like it's going to warm up. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> The makers of Johnson's Wax Products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with those accomplished accomplices, Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and your old Racine shifter, Harlow Wilcox. The writing is done from memory by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, and the music is dreamed up by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. Why did you put that linoleum on your kitchen floor? Wasn't it to make your kitchen a brighter, more cheerful place to work in and to save yourself lots of work? Right. But uh, if you don't take proper care of linoleum, it loses its beauty. And if you scrub it continually, it breaks down and becomes more and more difficult to keep good looking. That's why linoleum manufacturers themselves recommend that you preserve your floor coverings by applying a protective film of Johnson's Glow Coat. After that, you just wipe it off occasionally with a damp cloth and it fairly sparkles. Glow Coat is, of course, self-polishing. It needs no rubbing or buffing, requires practically no work at all. Simply apply and let dry. In 20 minutes, your floors are beautifully polished and shining, never streaked or uneven. If you want your linoleum and other floors to look lovelier and save hours of work in the bargain, by all means, use Johnson's self-polishing Glow Coat. It's a beautiful, cold, clear day in Wistful Vista, the kind of winter day that puts jingle bells in your arteries. The inviting, exciting, exhilarating sort of day which, if you're smart, you'll spend at home by the fireplace. Like Fibber McGee and Molly! Oh, my, I don't think I've ever seen such a beautiful winter day, McGee. Is it cold out? Cold? I had to walk down the front steps backwards because my sheepskin coat kept turning its tail into the wind. 
Why did you go out? Get the mail. Why, the mailbox is on the front porch. Why did you have to go down the steps? You get in that gag about the sheepskin coat? <laughs> Although I could have stayed on the porch and just said that when I came back in, my wristwatch was blowing on its hands. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, it's an awful thing when a man has to be a comic just to go out and get the gas bill. <laughs> <laughs> Any more evidence of ham and the meat packers will assign you a picket. <laughs> Any mail for me, dearie? Ah, just routine stuff. Gas bill, meat bill, dew bill, grocery bill, electric bill. An invitation... Oh, boy, I wish we could do it. Do what? Go to the Winter Sports Carnival at Petoskey, Michigan. Oh. Look, we got an invitation. February 1st to February 9th. We got an invitation from the Miami Chamber of Commerce last year that was good for all winter. <laughs> ah, but them winter sports, how I love them. The clear ring of skates on the ice. The joyous yells of the bobsledders. And the happy crackle of ankle bones on the ski slide. <laughs> Remember what a skater I used to be, Molly? Remember how I used to take a racing start and leap over nine empty barrels side by side? As I remember it, you also did it end over end. <laughs> ah, boy, what a skater I was. Remember how Shipstead and Johnson used to come out to the rink and watch me for hours on end, getting pointers? <laughs> they always said they'd learned a great deal from me. Hmm. They do burlesque comedy on skates, don't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir, when I used to go out on the ice, people would kind of gasp and say, Boy, look at that figure eight. Yeah, and then somebody else would say, And look, he can skate, too. <laughs> you know, this makes me hanker to put on my old keen cutters and go out to Dugan's Lake, Molly. What do you say we go out oh, to Oh, now, look, pet, let us not delude ourselves. Hmm? We are no longer children. Personally, I have arrived at the age where I'd rather spectate than participate. Ah, spectate my clavicle. Put a pair of skates on them pretty little feet of yours, and you'd make the rest of them young tomatoes look like percheron. <laughs> Come on, Molly, what do you say? We'll rent a couple of pair of skates and we'll go out... Come in. Oh, hello there, Dr. Gamble. Do come in. Hello, Molly. And how are you, bubblegum? <laughs> Hi, fever chart. Hey, Doc, Molly has an idea we're a little long in years to go ice skating. What do you think, Doc? Huh? Well, to be brutally frank, Crouch Pouch, you're too old to take up anything more violent than drawing mustaches on advertisements. If you'll take the advice of your family physician, and if you do, it'll be the first time, you'll strap nothing on your feet that hasn't got a blue jay on the container. He has a terrible hankering to go skating, Doctor. And really, he used to be very good at it. Good? I was terrific. Come on out to Lake Dugan with us, Doc, and I'll give you a few elementary lessons. What do you say? It'll be the first time Dugan's Lake ever had a quack on it in midwinter. <laughs> no thanks, little boy Blow. Although I may be on hand to revive you when they haul you out of a hole in the ice. <laughs> if I live long enough, there are two phrases which will make me a rich man. One... I drive better when I've had a few drinks. And two, let's skate out a little farther. You know, there's a, a third one, too, Doctor. A new one. And I quote, there's a storm up ahead. Let's fly through it. Unquote. So you won't skate, eh, Aerosmith? Should we do that again? <laughs> you don't trust yourself out where you haven't got a patient's wrist to hang on to, eh? Listen, mouse muscle, I haven't got time. I'll get it. I'll get it. Hello? Yeah? Who? Sure, Doc. Thanks. <laughs> Hello? Gamble speaking. Who? Oh, yes, Doctor. You developed the x-ray plates? I see. Small gastric ulcer, hmm? Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. Well, thank you very much, Doctor. And send the bill to me. Bye. Hey, hey, hey. Why send the bill to you, Doc? Why not? It's my ulcer. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, have fun at Dugan's Lake, Stumblebum. And you too, Molly. Well, thank you, Doctor. It might do us both good at that to get out for a little while. Say, didn't you skate when you were a boy? He never was a boy. <laughs> he was born with sideburns and a case full of sodium bicarbonate. As a matter of fact, friends, I was a bit of a no-good when I was a boy. I thought if a man shot a good game of pool and could peddle a little bootleg hooch without getting caught, he'd really get somewhere. And when I found out where he'd get, I decided I didn't want to go there. <laughs> you know what I wish? What, Doctor? I wish that every boy, when he reaches the age of 18, could read his own obituary and then either correct it or live up to it. See you later. Billy Mills and the orchestra and Atlanta, G.A. out to Dugan's Lake. We can stop someplace and I'll rent you a pair of skates. I, I might even buy you a pair. Oh, now, please, McGee, let's not be childish. Uh, I'm in better condition than you are, and I'm much too brittle to go ice skating. Oh, you're never no such a thing. I see guys skating out there all the time, and women, too, that are old enough to be your grandmothers. <laughs> Gee whiz, don't you remember how we used to waltz together on skates? Yes, but I'm afraid I'd sit most of them out now. <laughs> the hard way. <laughs> My, well, come in. Kids, I just seen that gambler across town. He says you were going to go skating out to Dugan's Lake. So I come busting right over. Oh, you want to go with us, old-timer? Nope. Just wanted to tell you I couldn't make it today. <laughs> Got to get my hair done. Oh, getting a finger wave, Mr. Blazing Game? Nope. Cooking a rabbit for supper, daughter. <laughs> you a pretty good cook, Rupert? Hey! I says I... I you... sure am, Johnny. Hi. <laughs> in the CBs out there in the Solomon Islands, I was made camp cook for 1,100 men. One noon, I made them an omelet that... Oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute there, Roop. You made one omelet for 1,100 men? 
How many eggs did that take? Forty-two shovels full, Johnny. We used powdered eggs. How on earth did you cook an omelet that big? Hey, she said, how? Well, sure, kid. Fired <laughs> a concrete mixer, set her out on the runway, shoveled the eggs in, added 50 gallons of powdered milk, five pounds of salt, two pounds of pepper, stuck a fire hose into it, turned it on, and beat the gong for lunch. <laughs> the best omelet they ever ate. Yeah, but all those ingredients were cold. How did you cook it without heat? Hey, how did you cook without it? Without heat! <laughs> without heat on a concrete runway in the Solomon Islands at high noon? <laughs> Are you kidding, Johnny? Uh, were you a cook all the time you were in the CBs? Hey, were you a no. cook? <laughs> They took me off the job. Seems like I was making me a big terrain full of vegetable soup one evening, and a seaplane mistook it for a lagoon and landed in it. <laughs> Would have been all right, but he cracked up on a ham bone I threw in for flavoring, and I got court-martialed for obstructing navigation. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Well, they should have given you credit for designing a new airplane, a split P-38. <laughs> But that ain't the way I heard it. The way, the way I heard it, one feller says, another feller says, I see where there's a filibuster going on in Congress. What's a filibuster? Well, says another feller, a filibuster is where a bunch of guys that hate music gang up around the jukebox with forty dollars and nickels to keep you from playing "America the Beautiful." <laughs> see you later, kid. <laughs> Oh, dear. Well, how about it, money? Are you going, are you going skating with me? Oh, now, please, McGee. You go if you want to. Oh, come on. We'll take it easy. I'll build a big fire at the edge of the lake and we can roast some weenies. What do you say? When I was a girl and somebody had suggested such an excursion, wild horses couldn't have held me at home. Well? But now that both the horses and I are older and smarter, oh, I don't think Hello, I'll... folks. Say, I hope you're not planning on going anywhere today. That air is sharp enough to appear on information, please. As a matter of fact, Junior, I was trying to persuade Molly to go ice skating with me. With, he might add, little or no success, Mr. Wilcox. Ice skating? Aren't you being a little eccentric, pal? I'll bet you haven't been on a pair of skates for 30 years. He's been on a lot of thin ice, however. <laughs> Junior, ice skating is an art which, once mastered, is indelibly printed on a man's mind and muckles. <laughs> I could put on a pair of runners right now and make Sonia Henney look like a barefoot kid walking across a field full of hot rocks. That's tall talk, pal. Mighty tall talk. Did you ever skate professionally? Well, he says he had a skating act in vaudeville, Mr. Wilcox. Why, certainly. I and a guy by the name of Fred Nittany from Starved Rock, Illinois. We played every theater in the United States, almost. Go on. With an ice skating act? What'd you do for ice? Oh, I just give the bellboy two bits and I said, Oh, you mean ice for the... <laughs> You mean to skate on, in our act. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, McGee, uh, how many theaters had freezing units on the stage? None of them. We didn't use ice. We carried a huge sheet of plate glass we used to skate on. Plate glass, eh? Plate glass. You, uh, skated on a sheet of plate glass with ice skates? With ice skates. <laughs> At the end of our act, we'd attach glass cutters to our skate blades and cut the words, thank you, folks, on the plate glass. <laughs> oh, it was a wild finish. I remember one performance in Snake Naval, Idaho. <laughs> I'll bet you 
bet just a sheet of plate glass was a sensation there. Snake Naval, Idaho? Uh Well, I played there myself with a road show. Well, now isn't this cozy. What did you do there, Mr. Wilcox? Well, I played the cruel overseer of the plantation in a play called The Pixie from Dixie. Or, Are You a Mason, Dixon? (laughs) I, I walked around with a black snake whip and a big mustache, snarling at the slaves and making eyes at Miss Nancy Lou, the colonel's daughter. In the last act, I doubled as the colonel. Colonel Jefferson Clay. That was before you went commercial, wasn't it, Junior? No, 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 no. I was working for Johnson's Wax even then. While you were on the stage? Sure. It was a great setup. You see, in the second act, we had an interior of the big plantation house. The curtain went up on me slashing Miss Nancy Lou across the shoulders with my bull whip and saying, Meaning no disrespect, Miss Nancy. I can't allow you all to demean yourself by scrubbing them floors, ma'am. That there's powerful hard work. And she'd look up at me and say, But Desmond, she'd say. Desmond, that was my name in the play. Oh, yeah. But Desmond, she'd say. Polishing floors with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat ain't work. It's fun. Sounds like, can you top this? <laughs> and then I'd throw down my black snake whip and take Nancy Lou in my arms and say, Look, honey child... You all is quality folks, otherwise you wouldn't be using that uh, Johnson's glow coat. But I hates to see my little goldy-haired lady stooping to menial work. If that's the legitimate theater, I'd like to see the birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> and Nancy Lou would look up at me and say, But Desmond, it's mighty easy to use Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. One just pours a little out, spreads it around, and lets it dry for 20 minutes or so. Please let me do it, Desmond. I have so little beauty in my life. Oh, sure. <laughs> Gee, you know, when we got through with that scene, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. <laughs> Laugh till they cried, eh? <laughs> Who played the part of Nancy Lou? Uh, Marjorie Maine? No, a fellow named Charlie Crylebean. <laughs> He also sold tickets, handled the baggage and scenery, threw out the drunks, and juggled in the oleo. Well, when we had our ice skating accident... Say, pal, we've got to get together one of these days and swap stories. I'll bet we've played lots of the same towns. Well, so long now. Oh, I'd like to have seen Mr. Wilcox in that play. Yeah, me too. What a southern drool he's got. (laughs) He makes Rhett Butler sound like a Minnesota motorman. Hey, how about it, Molly? You, you go on ice skating with oh, me. Come on. Oh, come on. Please, McGee, let's forget oh. it. If either of us fell on that ice, we'd splintered like a plaster cupid. We don't have to do anything fancy, kiddo. Just glide around holding on to each other till we got the right to get the hang of it again. No, never... no. Thank you. No, you go on if you want to. Come in. Oh, hello there, Mr. Mayor. Good afternoon, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. Hi, Latrivi, old man. Hey, you care much for winter sports? I can't say that I do, McGee. They're a noisy lot, throwing snowballs at each other and generally making... No, no, no. No, Mr. Mayor, he meant games like skating and bobsledding and skiing and so on. Oh, oh, I see. Well, I rather enjoyed them when I was younger. I had a nice boat at one time. I'm talking about winter activities, Latrivia. So am I. I said I had a nice boat one time. What good is a boat, no matter how nice, if you can't use it in the winter? I didn't say nice. I said ice. An ice boat. How much did it carry? How much what did it carry? How much ice? Seems to me that a load of ice would be pretty hard to handle in the boat. Uh, just, just a moment, please. Are you by any chance trying to embroil me in one of those I said this, you said that bits of persiflage? 
I don't know how you get any such ideas, at Latrivia. My gosh, nobody hates to argue more than we do. <laughs> Shall we start all over? If you don't mind. Glad to, Your Honor. Now then, do you care much for outdoor activities in wintertime? Uh, not of late, Mrs. McGee. However, when I was a younger man, I spent quite a good deal of time in Canada on snowshoes. What was the matter with them? What was the matter with what? Your snowshoes. There was nothing the matter with them. Well, then why did you have to spend so much time on them if there was nothing? <laughs> because... Because I was wearing them. I wouldn't have worn them if there'd been anything the matter with them. I merely... Shall we try again? <laughs> Certainly. You're served, McGee. <laughs> okay. Care much for outdoor sports in wintertime, Latrivia? No, I can't say that I do, McGee. Although, when I was a young man, I did uh, quite a bit of bobsledding. Why didn't he do his own? Why didn't who do his own what? Why didn't Bob do his own sledding? You said you did a lot of bobsledding. I, I didn't see... say anything of the... <laughs> or did I? <laughs> of course I did. I remember now. Bob was a rather sickly lad. <laughs> Pulling that heavy sled was rather a task. So I did most of his sledding for him. I remember one day we were sitting in our cabin drinking hot buttered cocoa out of Munich Braustein. What on earth is a Munich Braustein? Well, it's a pewter or earthenware receptacle, sort of a high mug. Hi, Latrivia. How's everything? Fine. <laughs> Fine, and with you? Just great. Nice to have seen you. Good day. So long. <laughs> And here are the King's Men with Let It Snow. The snowman in the yard is frozen hard. He's a sorry sight to see. If he had a brain, he'd complain that he wishes he were me. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And we've no place to go. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping. And they brought some corn for popping. The lights are way down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight, I hate going home in the storm. But if you'll really hold me tight, then all the way home I'll be warm. The fire is slowly dying, and my dear, we're still goodbying. But as long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. The winter wind is cold. Ooh, there's ice in the air. As long as I can hold you, then I should care about the weather as long as we're together. The fire is and my dear, we're still goodbying. But as long as you love me so, let it snow. Oh, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Heavenly 
three days with you, there's a lot of people on Dugan's Lake considering how chilly it is. Well, when we get to skating, we won't notice the cold. I'm afraid I'll get so cold you won't notice me skating. Here, sit down on this stump while I fix your skates. Okay. Not too tight now, not too loose. Oh, don't be so fussy, Snooky. I know how to strap skates on. <laughs> well, if I seem a little spoiled, dearie, it's because I haven't been on ice for so long. <laughs> you know, it's almost... Oh, for goodness sakes, hello, Mr. Wimple. Who? Oh, hi, Wimp. Hello, folks. Skating, Mr. Wimple? Oh, no, Mrs. McGee. I just came out because Sweetie Face told me to. What'd she tell you to do, Wimp? Well, she told me she was going to take me outdoors and keep me out till I had roses in my cheeks. Well, that shouldn't take long. Oh, it didn't. I had roses in my cheeks inside of ten minutes. Hmm. But the thorns hurt my mouth, so I spit them out. Lots of people skating out here today, Wimp. Ice must be pretty solid. Oh, not too solid, Mr. McGee. See that sign behind you there? The one that says, Danger, Thin Ice? Well, what on earth is it doing up here on the bank? Well, I put it there. It was out in the middle of the lake, but who could read it that far away? <laughs> Where's Sweetie Face now, Wimp? Gone home? Oh, no such luck, Mr. McGee. She's skating around out there in the lake someplace. Oh, oh is she a pretty good skater, Mr. Wimple? Oh, no. She's simply terrible. But I told her to go out in the middle of the lake where there was plenty of room. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought you said it was dangerous out there. Thin ice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, enjoy yourselves, folksies. Goodbye now. <laughs> See you later, Wimp. Yeah. Now, oh, there you are, Molly. Out of the skates field. Well, I don't know, but I feel nine feet tall. Huh? It's been so long since I... Oh, hold me, McGee. <laughs> I got you, kid. Now, take it easy. Relax. Now, hang on to me while we walk out onto the ice. What do you mean, hang on to you? Huh? I'll bet you've got bruises on your arm now that look like you'd gone over Niagara Falls in a hairnet. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Take it easy now. Only a few feet farther now. You're doing fine. I hope I haven't forgotten how to skate. My ankles feel like they were made of wet rope. Ah, here we are. Now, ain't this wonderful? Want to let go of me now and try a few strokes? No, no, I can't say that I do, dearie. <laughs> you skate around and let me hang onto your shoulders, like a slightly overage papoose. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll catch on to it in a minute, my God. Hey! Hey, that's it! Take it away! <laughs> How am I doing, McGee? Swell, swell. Now, try a three-change three. And an inside back rocker. Don't talk nonsense and throw a little sand in front of me. I've forgotten how to stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't stop. I'll catch up with you. Ah, oh, you don't know how glad I am to see you, McGee. Uh. There's nothing to grab onto out here when I feel like falling. If I ever own a skating rink, it'll have trees on it. Oh, you're doing wonderful, Molly. Shall we cross hands and skate together? I tried it with my feet a minute ago, but I didn't like it. <laughs> All right, let's try it. There. Isn't this fun? Yeah. Let's waltz, McGee. Okay. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Just like back in Peoria. Sure. Remember? I'm all right now. You don't have to hold my hands too tight. <laughs> I don't have to, but you don't mind, do you? Oh, not a bit. Hey, Molly. Remember how we used to skate away from everybody else and sneak around the point and I'd kiss you? As Mr. Wimple would say, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, there's a point over there to the right. 
Well, I must say, dearie, that you haven't changed much in all these years. I haven't? No. It still takes you too long to get to the point. <laughs> Take a quick look around the room you're sitting in, will you? That's right. Now, since so many of you ladies are firm believers in regular wax polishing, chances are your floors, furniture, and woodwork are beautifully clean and sparkling. But if by chance you've not yet got around to the wax method of keeping house, consider for a moment how much more attractive your home could be. All through your home, there are treasures that will become even lovelier with every application of Johnson's Wax. The millions and millions of women who use this modern method of housekeeping call it protective housekeeping for three reasons. First, Johnson's Wax beautifies your home. Second, it wax protects your treasures from wear, dirt, and spilled things. And third, Johnson's Wax saves you work. A smooth, dry, waxed surface does not readily collect dust. So you have more time off to enjoy your lovelier home. Ask for a genuine Johnson's Wax, paste, liquid, or cream. Well, they ought to be home any minute now. Let me see. Splints, liniment, hot water, bandages. Come in. Hey, what are you doing in our house, Doc? We saw you through the window, Doctor. Is anything wrong? Not with me. Got any broken bones? Nope. Sprains, bruises, torn ligaments, frostbite? Oh, no, Doctor. <laughs> Had a wonderful time and didn't even fall down once. Nope. Well, how do you like that? If you aren't the most exasperating people... <laughs> Don't forget your earphones. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Good night, all. <laughs> All right, welcome back. That was uh, Fibber McGee and Molly, and uh, currently, as things stand here, as the blizzard inches ever closer, uh, Willie has dropped by, and he's he's hashing out a deal with the landlord right now. He wants to sleep in the studio uh, for the duration of the storm. I keep telling you, if you want to stay on my property, you got to pay me. Well, well, see, the property's already here. I mean, there's already a roof and walls, and I ain't using no resources, so what exactly am I paying for? You're paying for the mental toll it takes on my brain to talk to you. Well, we ain't need to do no talking. I don't need no contract for conversation. Shoot, I'll just tuck up right here. Uh, you could even consider me some kind of, you know, security even. I could watch the building, make sure nobody else sneaks in here to sleep, except for the people, you know, that I'm friends with. Uh, you know, I think it seems like a real win-win deal. I wouldn't trust you to protect anything with those skinny biceps of yours. You're going to need something more than that to convince me to let your scumbag friends around my properties taking down okay, my listen, property values. Listen, listen, I, I can tell this ain't quite going in the right direction. How about this? Have you ever drank alcohol made out of a dictionary? Keep talking. There we go. See, all right, bo boys, you go on and do your radio show. I'm going to work some things out here. Now, listen, you got... Dictionaries, you got old Bibles, you Jake, know, the versions of the I think we're seeing no the beginning of That's a beautiful friendship. <laughs> we may be. Uh, up next, folks, we have an episode of The Halls of Ivy. You was telling me you can make alcohol out of any kinds of papers. What about divorce papers? Divorce papers make a real spicy stuff like Fireball, you betcha. And, and plus, usually there's a whole dang stack of it, so yeah, here we go. I want it to hit me harder than the prenup papers that I signed. Ladies and gentlemen, the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 
presents The Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. If you like good beer, you'll find it pays to be curious and learn about Schlitz for yourself. And now, the Halls of Ivy. That surround us here today And we will not forget Though we be far, far away Welcome again to Ivy Ivy College, that is, in the town of Ivy, USA Five people didn't go to bed at all last night here at Ivy Grogan, the campus policeman who was making his rounds Two sophomores and a freshman who were investigating certain mathematical phenomena, uh, such as the odds against drawing to an inside straight. And Dr. William Todd Hunter Hall, the president of Ivy, who's been working at his desk in the study of his home since uh, shortly after dinner yesterday. The chapel bell is striking eight as his wife, the former Victoria Cromwell of the London stage, enters and says... Good morning, Dr. Hall. Good morning. And congratulations. You've just set a new record for going without sleep. Any statement for the press, champ? Uh, yes, I, I'm glad to bring the cup back to Ivy, where it belongs. And I'm looking forward with great confidence to the international match in Brussels next spring. Oh, poor uh, darling. How do you feel? Uh, surprisingly well, if the ability to cope with whimsy on an empty stomach is at all indicative. Do I look awful? Mm, interesting, rather. One so seldom sees a chartreuse complexion. Bad as that, eh? Well, it's worth it. One seldom sees an annual report as superb as the one I've just finished writing. Here, have a look. Let's see. The state of the college. Or in the vernacular, out of the red and over the hump with Hall. Mm. <laughs> you sound enormously set up about it. Yes, I've reason to be. I had no idea how much I'd accomplished last year until I put it all down in black and white. The endowment fund is up. The building fund is up. Enrollments are up. And what are you doing up? Will you be working very much longer this morning? Oh, I'm ready for bed. Well, good. Penny will be right in with your overcoat and hat. My overcoat and hat? Vicky, we've been married long enough for me to make a confession. I never go to bed wearing an overcoat and hat. <laughs> I'm one of those odd fellows who slips between the sheets wearing only pajamas. <laughs> I know I should have revealed this oh, before, stop. but I... <laughs> I told Penny to bring in our hats and coats because I'm taking you for a walk. A short walk for relaxation, a light breakfast... And then a good long sleep. Excuse me, be... Mum. Yes, I Penny. brought your things. Good morning, sir. Oh, good morning, Penny. I'll take those. Thank you. You're looking well this morning, Penny. Thank you very kindly, sir. And you're looking... It's a very nice morning for a walk. <laughs> you don't say. Yes, sir. It snowed last night. The first real snow we've had this year. And it's ever so lovely. Makes one want to go out and throw snowballs at top hats. Well, feel free to do so whenever the spirit moves you, Penny. I'm ready, Victoria. Uh, Penny, you didn't by any chance notice a snowman on our front lawn, did you? Should I have, sir? Well, after the first really good snowfall of the year, the students had the custom of building a snowman in front of the home of each faculty member. Uh, you've heard of that, haven't you? No, sir. And the more affection they have for you, the larger the snowman they build. There ain't one on our lawn. 
Allow me, sir. Why, I dare say the snow fell too late for them to have taken advantage of it last night. Which way should we walk, Toddy? Long faculty row? Yes, that'll do nicely. Be back in half an hour, Penny. That custom the students have. It, it's almost cruel in oh, a way. Not in the least. I admit it must seem so to those members of the faculty for whom very small snowmen are built, but, but they survive. Uh, Professor Heaslip, for example, has survived years of snowmen not much larger than a Drosophila fruit fly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Heaslip is lucky the students built any token of affection on his lawn. If anything, his personality suggests excavation. <laughs> And the report I've just finished makes it more certain than ever he won't get my job. His carefully cultivated friendship with the chairman of the board notwithstanding. It's really a smashing report, Vicky. I raised almost a million dollars in endowments. Built... Built what? What's wrong? Look, there's a snowman in front of Professor Quinn Cannon's house. Oh. The snow came early enough after all. Hmm. Well, perhaps, perhaps it wasn't the students, Toddy. Professor Quincannon has two children. They may have built it. Children build snowmen, too, you know. Of course, that must be it. I, I mean, after all, there's no reason to suppose that students would build one for Quincannon and overlook me, is there? I, I mean, there's no reason to suppose they're antagonistic to me. I, I mean, I, I don't see why they should be. Do you? No, of course they're not. Um, you were telling me about your smashing report. Toddy, come on. Hmm? Oh, oh, yes, yes, my, um, uh, report. I, well, I suppose I shouldn't have said it's a, a, a smashing report. It, it's not really smashing, but, but it's a darn good one. I believe I may say, without immodesty, that I'm good at my job. After all, a college president must have ability and, and... Keenness of vision? Well, all college presidents have keen vision. A few, in fact, can even see themselves in the White House in 1952. <laughs> You know, I, I knew a man once who... I'm listening to what? What are you staring at? A snowman in Professor Howard's front yard. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I suppose Professor Howard's children must have built one, too. Professor Howard is a bachelor. Oh, yes, of course. I'd forgotten. Well, then, Professor Quincannon's children must have come over from next door. I remember when I was a child, I used to build snowmen all over the place. Couldn't get enough of them. Fairly cover the landscape and build one in front of my house and one next door and then one further down the street. Yes, they, they, they could have come over from next door, couldn't they? Quinn Cannon's children, I mean. Well, of course they could. Yes, they could have jumped over the hedge yes. or, or even come around that way through the gate. Mm -hmm. It's not much more than 30 paces. <laughs> and you know, they're very active youngsters, positively hypothyroid. Oh, they are. <laughs> oh, one probably said to the other, let's build one now on old Howard's lawn. Yes, exactly. As a matter of fact, I seem to remember having heard children shouting something like that earlier this morning. Um, but you were telling me about your report. Hmm? Your report. I want to hear more about how darn good it is. Oh, well, I suppose I shouldn't have said it's a darn good report. It's, it's not really. It, it's a... Fair report. A little more. Vicky, uh, darling, you spend much more time with the students than I do, really. What with your coaching the junior follies and all. You haven't heard any... any grumbling about my administration, have you? None, Toddy, none. Ah. It wasn't a very tall hedge, you know. Quinn Cannon's children could have jumped over it. <laughs> Or crash through. I mean, they're very sturdy. Oh, it's the most natural thing in the world. Yes, Toddy, um, 
Let's turn down this street. I'm rather tired of Faculty Row. Same old hedges, same old houses. This street seems very charming. Really? You find that row of garbage pails charming? Oh, well, I suppose not. Oh, dear. There's a snowman in front of Professor Warren's house, too. The young Quincannons have had a quite a busy morning. <laughs> good morning, Doctor. Ah, good morning, Dr. Warren. Good morning, Mrs. Hall. We're out for a stroll. Yes, we're out for a stroll. Well, I find there's nothing like it on a morning like this for getting rid of the doldrums, don't you? Occasionally. Uh, we, were, we were just admiring the snowman in your front yard. It has a great deal of character. Oh, it's a pip, isn't it? I know it's not supposed to be good form for a faculty member to pay any attention to this sort of thing. But when you're 70, as I am, hypocrisy is too much of a strain. I just look at that gleaming monster and glow, Doctor. Glow. Well, I don't blame you. And yet, uh, the custom in some cases can be cruel, don't you think? I mean, the, the ones that don't get built. Nope. It's not the custom that's cruel. It's the crushing impact of truth. Some people can't stand up under it at all. You take a present of ivy we had in 1900. That's before your time. Bessemer was his name. One year, every member of the staff had a snowman except Bessemer. Old Pop Gut Bessemer. <laughs> he resigned a few weeks later for reasons of health, of course. Oh, that seems very impulsive of him, a little drastic. Well, ivy's a small school and always has been. Personalities play a much bigger part than they do at some of these giant diploma factories. You wouldn't care to continue as president if you knew that students had much rather tie a can to your tail, would you, Doctor? Well, now, that, that, that's an interesting way to put it, but uh, no, I suppose not. Well, of course not. You look at it this way, Mrs. Hall. Teaching hardly ever pays off in money. The average prof makes only about 2500 a year, and it hardly ever pays off in glory. I myself can name ten baseball players or burlesque queens, bless them, <laughs> for every teacher you can bring to mind. Well, then, what makes an old party like me, the last of the tobacco-chewing professors, or a man like your husband stay with it? Pride in the job, I suppose. Pride in the job. That and the feeling that maybe we're helping the young savages become not scholars, but men and women, and that they appreciate it. Take that away and what's left? Absolute zero. <laughs> Here I am lecturing the president. Tell you when you arrive at my age and succeed in conning people to regard you as a lovable old gaffer, you get away with murder. <laughs> Care to come in for coffee? Uh, no, 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 thank you. We, we have breakfast waiting at home. That's the wisest decision you've made today. In all the world, no one concocts as nauseating a cup of coffee as I do. <laughs> I'll see you soon, I hope, ma'am. Goodbye. Goodbye, Dr. Warren. He's a pip, isn't he? My snowman. The very word for it, he's a pip. Careful, don't slip on that snow. Uh, by the way, Vicky, uh, did I... Did I tell you I received a letter from Quesnel University this week? I don't believe you did, Toddy. Why? Well, they hadn't heard of the renewal of my contract as president here at Ivy, and they've made me a very flattering offer. Um... Treasurer of the university. At almost the same salary I have here. Toddy. Uh, further, and, um, oh, perhaps of more importance, it's a, it's a purely administrative job. I wouldn't come into contact with students at all. Not, not, not ever. Toddy. Uh, they requested the, the courtesy of a reply this week. It's, it's really a most 
flattering offer. I, I, I rather think I uh, think I'll accept. Yes, yeah, yes, I think it would be best. curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. We'll return to the Halls of Ivy starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman in just a moment as soon as we hear how a young actor got his first taste of fame. Offhand, one would say there's scarcely a rhyme and hardly a reason for associating Shakespeare with Schlitz beer. But perhaps I better start at the beginning of my story. Our little theater group was putting on Romeo and Juliet, and I, I was this year's Romeo. Being um, handicapped by two left feet and an instinctive dread of high places, I, I don't mind telling you that climbing that balcony gave me a good deal of trouble in spite of um, considerable extra practice on my part. After our dress rehearsal, I still wasn't satisfied with my agility, so I decided to make a few practice climbs before calling it a night. As I reached the balcony the second time, I happened to glance down. And there below me, I saw the rest of the cast gathered around drinking beer. The labels on the bottles told me it was Schlitz. And the expressions on the faces of my fellow players told me I was missing something. I knew Schlitz by reputation, but not by taste. So I climbed down from the balcony to find out what I was missing. If you could have seen me standing there in full Shakespearean costume, tasting Schlitz for the first time... You might have expected me to say something like, Pon my soul, what beer is this that lies so pleasantly upon the tongue? But no, I just stood there speechless, grinning from ear to ear. The director, sensing my plight, said, It seems that words can fail even an actor at a time like this. Let me say it for you. No wonder they call Schlitz. The beer that made Milwaukee famous. Returning to the halls of Ivy, we find a dispirited Dr. Hall strolling in the snow along Faculty Row with Mrs. Hall. You're very quiet, Victoria. Hmm, I know. I'm concentrating. Trying to think of the right thing to say. Oh, you don't have to say anything, my dear. The silent eloquence of the students has left very little unsaid. Toddy, I know how you must feel. In a small way, I've been through it a number of times in the theater. Playing for laughter and applause and getting the rustle of programs and a few coughs. You can say to yourself, chin up and good show and carry on, all that... And over it all, you can hear the lorries backing up to the stage door to haul the scenery away. Well, this time, they're going to haul the actor away from the scenery. <laughs> and after I'd convinced myself that I'd given such a sterling performance. Smashing report, indeed. Would it help if I tried a recital of Kipling's If? It kills them in the provinces. <laughs> <laughs> It's likely to prove lethal here, too, but thank you, my dear, anyway. As organizer and sole member of the William Todd Hunter Hall Fan Club, you've done some noble work. Oh, Toddy, you don't have to try and laugh it off for me. Get it out of your system, darling. Blow up! Curse the Board of Governors! 
And their promise that I wouldn't have to spend my time wangling emoluments. Curse my folly in believing them. To the devil with all fatheads who kept me away from the students. Bah! Oh, that was lovely. No wonder they feel no affection for me. I'm so seldom with them. Not, not that to know me is to, to love me, you understand. I understand nothing of the sort. I know you very well and I'm mad about you. How difficult it is to... Oh, thank you, my dear. <laughs> How difficult it is to maintain contact with the student body. One college president I know scheduled a speech to the senior class for the sole purpose of proving that he actually did exist. Oh. And that... That's what's wrong with my report. Toddy, I'm sure it's a superb report. No, no on the contrary. I, I omitted all reference, beyond a few statistics, to the most important part of any school, the students. And what they think about the state of Ivy. I should have found time to teach more courses. Look at Hutchins at Chicago and Conant at Harvard. The students are what make a college, not campus buildings and installations. Diogenes discoursed from a tub. And his students listened. And it was a school. Toddy, look, talking of tubs, I see Professor Heeslip. Well. <laughs> Through this hedge. He's just leaving his front door. Is there a, a, a snowman on his lawn? Yes, a very small one, which he has just made larger with two handfuls of snow. Oh, he's heard us and stepped back. Well, hello there. Good morning, Skipper. Good morning, fair lady. Good morning. Uh, good morning, he slippers. A nice snowman you have there. Yes, it's a very nice little one. Oh, <laughs> you should have seen it before the sun came up and melted it. Amazing how quickly it went. Uh, this is the warmest part of Faculty Row, you know. Oh, really? <laughs> I found the whole area very cold. Oh, that's a mistake, Skipper. That snowman was inches lower. I, I mean higher, a few minutes ago. It melted down considerably. Also, the boys and girls happen to have chosen a slight dip in the ground on which to build it. Actually, much taller than it looks. Optical illusion, you know. Not that I pay any attention to such things, of course. Of course. I'm happy the students like me as much as they do. Of course. I've often asked myself why. Naturally, I don't court their affection. I'm very strict, but a fair pedagogue, if I say so myself. Uh, perhaps it's the occasional humor with which I sprinkle my lectures. Well, for example... Oh, uh, well, uh, why, well, yesterday, uh, I was discussing uh, nature references in the poetry of the more eminent Victorians, one of whom referred to a dogwood tree in some lyric or other. I asked my students if they knew how to distinguish a dogwood tree, and when they said they didn't, uh, I told them. By its bark. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I must be getting to class. Uh, good morning, Skipper. Uh, good morning, Heaslip. Good morning, fair lady. Good morning. The warmest part of faculty row, indeed. Ah. And yet, for the sake of that little snowman, I think I'd almost be willing to change places with Heaslip. Mm, it'd be a little bit rough on me. What are the boys and girls, as he calls them, see in the man? Oh, it's true he has no enemies, but that's more than balanced by the fact that none of his friends like him. <laughs> well, let's turn back, Toddy. Oh, this is probably one of the last times we'll ever stroll along here, Victoria. It's an attractive little street, isn't it? Yes. I've lived here a long time. And I've loved it here. You see that house across the way? Mm-hmm. I had a furnished room there when I was an instructor. On the top floor. Kitchen privileges. 
Female visitors permitted only as far as the front parlor. Please turn out the light before leaving the room. Mm, Liberty Hall, wasn't it? (laughs) Then when I was appointed assistant professor, I moved over to this side of the street. Sitting room, bedroom and bath. Hot plate permitted. No wild parties. Oh, what exactly was a wild party at Ivy in those days? If I remember correctly, more than two people laughing at the same time. (laughs) Uh, But then, then I allowed my appointment to a full professorship to go to my head, and and I rented that Charles Adams mansion over there. Oh, it wasn't a Charles Adams mansion. It was a wonderful old place to live. Yes, it was, wasn't it? I mean, after I brought you there. It was fairly empty when I occupied it all by myself. It echoed. Empty and unsatisfying, and nothing I did with it. New furniture, new drapes, fresh paint seemed to propitiate the fat little gods of the hearth. Until you offered them me as a human sacrifice, eh? You might very well have been mistaken for a human sacrifice as I handed you down from the taxi that first morning. You were scared to death. Yeah, (laughs) I was. I'd never had a home of my own before. Just hotel rooms and flats and theater dressing rooms. Look, here we are, driver. And, uh, and this is for you. This is our home, Victoria. Oh, William. It's exactly the way I imagined it. All covered with vines and so very peaceful and quiet. And oh, look! My name's on the letterbox. (laughs) I sent a letter from England asking that it can be done. Professor W. Hall and Mrs. Victoria Cromwell Hall. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Toddy, for being such a dear love. Is it always as quiet as this? Yes. Nearly always. And empty. I don't see any students. (laughs) One of them has just seen you. (laughs) You seem to have arrived in more ways than one. Come on. Let's go inside. Please take my hand. I'm suddenly appalled at how little I know about taking care of a household. Uh, Hang on tight, darling. I have shortcomings, too. Promise you... Overlook mine until I've learnt my way around. I promise. It'll be a mutual understanding. Now, what did I do with the key? Can't you find it? Well, I could swear I had it in my hand. I thought I... Oh, I do have it in my hand. Oh, oh you're as nervous as I am, really, aren't you? I'm <laughs> yes. so glad. I keep on forgetting you're new at this, too. There. No, 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 wait, wait. What? Wait. There's a little ceremony involved here, a very nice one. I'll carry you across the thresholds, like this. Oh, Toddy, look, a snowman. A snowman? What's a snowman doing in our hallway? Don't you see it? The students must have come while we were out walking. Yeah, but they've no right to build one inside the house, and where did they get the snow in May? Oh, Toddy, it's a snowman, and it isn't May, it's February. Yes, I know, but... So wherever you were, dear, come back. You have a snowman. Yeah, but I mean... mean, uh, And it's the most enormous snowman you've ever seen. Right over there. Oh, oh! Yes, right. Why, it is a snowman. In our front yard. Vicky, I... This is our house, isn't it? Yes, of course it is. Oh, Toddy, you're always losing yourself in your thoughts. Not completely, my darling, because you're always with me. But I... I don't understand this... This Look, snowman. Look, there seems to be a note attached to it. Yes, it's addressed to you. Here, what does it say? Oh, one moment. Uh-huh. To President Hall, 
The delay in construction is entirely your fault. If you must work nights, please do so in one of the back rooms and avoid those overlooking the front of the house. <laughs> in that way, the traditional anonymity of the bill... They misspelt anonymity. <laughs> the traditional anonymity of the builders will be preserved. Affectionately, classes of 50 to 53 inclusive. Well, now. Hmm. Of course, it was probably a good bit larger when they first put it up. <laughs> Oh, this is the warmest part of Faculty Row, you know. Yeah, I know. Could you stand a bit of breakfast and some sleep now? Uh, breakfast by all means, but no sleep as yet. Remember, I have the report to get out. Another report? The same one, but better. Far better and a great deal more inclusive. Directly after breakfast, I shall want to see the presidents of every class in my study. Yes, and the officers of all student organizations, too. All at once in your little study? Oh, 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 we'll get them in, my dear. We'll get them in. Look at that snowman. It's good packing today. <laughs> I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. And now, here again is Mr. Ronald Coleman. The campaign to fight heart disease, this country's leading cause of death, is now underway. Diseases of the heart and blood vessels take an annual toll of more than 600,000 men, women, and children. A staggering number indeed. This dreaded menace accounts for one death out of every three. A greater toll of lives than the next five causes of death combined. This year, give generously in support of this wonderful cause. Send your contributions to Heart, care of your local post office. Open your heart. Give to fight heart disease. Thank you. Good night. Good night, everyone. We'll be seeing you next week at this time at the Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. The other players were Alan Reed, Gloria Gordon, and Arthur Q. Bryan. Tonight's script was written by Walter Brown Newman and Don Quinn. Our music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. The Halls of Ivy was created by Don Quinn and directed by Nat Wolf. From the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company and the Halls of Ivy, our heartiest congratulations to station WTIC in Hartford, Connecticut, on this, their 25th anniversary. Ken Carpenter speaking. Oh, we love the halls of Ivy that surround us here today, and we will not forget, though we be far, far away. All right, welcome back to Yesterday Today. We have one last episode up here for you today. It is Phil Harris' Alice Faye show. Uh, we play a lot of episodes of Phil Harris on this show, I feel like, but it's just because it's one of my favorite shows. Jake, I have some, well, I mean, I, I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but at any rate, it is news. Yeah? Uh, Willie has convinced the landlord to, to let him sleep in the studio here overnight. Yeah, we made ourselves a little bit of, a little bit of a, a little bit of a deal. <sighs> oh. You, uh, 
Oh, really just uh, tucked yourself in there in the middle of the floor, huh? Oh, I got my little nightcap on with the little dingle-dangly sort of rabbit tail thing on the end. I'm just ready to have myself a nap. Which one of you fellows mind getting me a warm glass of water? Sorry, a what now? Oh, a warm glass of water really helped me uh, help me just nip out real good. Huh. What about what about the cows? The cow? Oh, their milk ain't been galvanized yet. I ain't drinking that stuff. No, no, I just need a glass of water. No, no. Aren't you supposed to galvanize the cattle tonight? Oh, I'm already got a blanket on me. My boots are halfway off. I don't know. I think they'll be all right. You know, cows have been out there in blizzards since the beginning of cowdom. I don't think I really need to worry about all that much till tomorrow or for the next blizzard. Oh, it's just so it's, it's so comfortable down here. Oh. All right. Well, sleep tight, sweet prince, and may a flight of <laughs> angels sing thee to thy rest. <laughs> U.S. U.S. government. All right, well, folks, this is Phil Harris, Alice. Uh, California gas prices. Yeah, Phil Harris, here you go. Willie looks kind of cute when he's asleep. I mean, as long as you don't get too close to his breath. Public, but... public education. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents the Phil Harris Salas Fay Show. Your enjoyment here is the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Scharf and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. It's only human for a man to act like a big shot before his kids, to pose as being all-wise and all-powerful. Today, Phil brags once too often, and has to decide whether to be a dead hero or a live coward. But first, a word from RCA Victor. RCA Victor's 45 record players and 45 records were made for each other. They were designed together to play as a unit. And that's why RCA Victor's 45 system brings you the finest recorded music you've ever heard. So stop in tomorrow at your RCA Victor dealers and pick out a 45 instrument. You can choose any one of several, ranging all the way from the low-cost Victrola record changer attachment to a luxurious 45 AM-FM console you'll find complete phonographs, like the Victrola 45 Personal, which has a convenient carrying handle so you can take it right along with you on trips. Or perhaps you'd prefer the compact Victrola 45 Table phonograph. In any case, you'll find the 45 record changer you want to fit your budget. And whichever you choose, you'll enjoy the finest system of recorded music. Brought to you by RCA Victor, cornerstone of home entertainment for three generations. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Fay and Phil Harris. <laughs> Phil has a few days off this week, and he and Alice have promised the children they would take them any place they wanted to go. After much indecision, the children have chosen Palm Springs. And now, before leaving on the trip, we find the Harrises in a department store where Alice is shopping for a bathing suit for the occasion. Phil, haven't you seen a bathing suit you like for me yet? 
You've had these models parading back and forth in front of you for two hours now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but honey, uh, you can't rush into these things. <laughs> I just want to make sure that the bathing suit is going to look good on you. Well, Phil, watching these girls model bathing suits is becoming very tiresome to me. I assure you, it's just as annoying to me. <laughs> In fact, my eyes are beginning to hurt. They're just tired from bulging. <laughs> Alice, please, I'm trying to help you out. All right, miss, you can flush out another covey of them models. <laughs> Run them on through here, honey. We don't have to see any more uh, Miss, I know what I want I like the one with the green bodice and the short skirt Which one do you like? The long-legged one with the red hair <laughs> The tall one there with the... I'm not talking about the models I'm talking... Oh, never mind I'll buy what I want uh, Miss, I'll take this two-piece bikini Yes, that's an... What? <laughs> You're thinking of buying that outrageously skimpy little thing? Well, what's wrong with it? It's disgraceful and I will not allow the woman that I love <laughs> to parade her charms in that Satan sunsuit. Phil, you liked it on the model. Well, that's different. Well, why is it different? Well, she's young. What? <laughs> I mean, she's slim. What? I mean, her hips is not as... No, no, that ain't gonna get it. <laughs> Honey, I just won't allow you to wear one of those scanty things. Oh, but Phil... Never mind. Now, I'll pick out the bathing suit for you. Uh, miss... Uh, yes, honey, right over here. Uh, will you show us something in a nice, wifely bathing suit? <laughs> what kind of a suit is that? Like my mother used to wear. <laughs> miss, bring us a black bathing suit with long sleeves, pantaloons... Black cotton stockings and high lace bathing shoes. You look very chic in this, my dear. Yes. Yes, I'll be the rage of the Keystone Cops. Chester Conklin and Fatty Arabuckle will just love me in this. There she goes, reliving her early days and pictures. Now, Phil, I'm not going to be seen in that kind of a suit. You'll either wear that suit or nothing. No! No! <laughs> Take the bikini All right, if that's what you want But I'm telling you something You're going to be We've just been over to the sporting goods counter And we changed our minds about going to Palm Springs for our vacation Well, that's okay Then we'll go to another desert resort, kids I don't care where we go As long as I can sit out and bask in that sun Oh, man, I love that heat Where do you kids want to go? To the high Sierras for the snow Snow? <laughs> Yes, you'll love it up there, Daddy. They say there's 20 feet of snow. And it's 10 below zero, and everything is frozen over. Alice, get them two little walruses out of here. <laughs> I ain't going up to no snow country. Oh, please, Phil. I'd rather go to Palm Springs, too, but this is the children's vacation, and we promised them we'd go wherever they want. Alice, I can't stand the snow. And besides, there's nothing to do up in the high Sierras. Oh, there's lots to do up there, Daddy. You can go tobogganing and ice skating and skiing. Oh, there's a nice assortment of bone-breaking activities. Wouldn't you like to go skiing, Daddy? Are you kidding? I'm a hundred years old. 
You ain't gonna get me on none of them warp bed slats. <laughs> Alice, I'd like to oblige the kids and make them happy, but I ain't going to no snow country. We can't go. But why not? Because Frankie won't like it up there. <laughs> Who invited Frankie? I did. I figured it's a vacation and you and I might want to go out at night and, and Frankie, uh, well, he could be our, our babysitter. What are you, soft in the head or something? <laughs> I'm not going to let Frankie sit with our babies. Why not? He ain't going to eat them. How do you know? <laughs> That's a chance we'll have to take. <laughs> Calculated risk and everything you do Honey, Frankie can't stand the cold on account of his condition What condition? Every time he gets near ice, his blood turns to bourbon <laughs> Phil, Phil, I'm not going to worry about Frankie If he wants to come with us, he's going to the snow country Hi, it's everybody hard... Oh, hello, Frankie Hi, Rem Hey, Curly, I can't wait to get started on our vacation Oh, look, Rem, I can I... just see myself lying around in the sun With nothing on but sunglasses and a pair of trunks Francis, I'm I... going to lie on my back with the sun heating my broad chest. And the snow freezing your little Phil! shoulder. <laughs> what snow? There ain't no snow in Palm Springs. We changed our minds, Uncle Frankie. We're going to the High Sierras. What's the matter with you, you anti-Remley? <laughs> I can't go to the snow country. I bought all my equipment for the desert. The what equipment? Water gourds, a pith helmet, and an Arab. <laughs> What's the Arab for? To drive the camel I bought. <laughs> Where did you buy a camel? On a used camel lot. <laughs> I got it from the raucous riff. Frankie, would you... <laughs> It's a beautiful Sahara Six with a hydromatic hump. <laughs> How wonderful You sit out in the open air You ought to get one, Curly Well no, no. If I drive around town in a convertible camel Everybody will say I've gone Hollywood I've... <laughs> Hey, look, Alice Do we have to go to the snow yes, country? Yes, we do And let's go home and start packing Well, you boys will have a lot of fun up there We'll make snowmen We'll build forts and have snow fights and at night, we'll sit around the fire and toast marshmallows and sing. Curly, how'd you happen to meet this brownie? <laughs> she came to my door one day selling Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> I happened to have any loose change, so I married her. The uh, cookies were lousy, but she was cute, all and I right, figured... Bill, all right, Alice, you don't have to go to the mountains to sing. Now, if you want to sing, you can do it here. Well, thanks, dear. Sweet of you to ask me. <laughs> Now Clancy was a peaceful man, if you know what I mean The cops picked up the pieces after Clancy left the scene He never looked for trouble, that's a fact you can assume But nevertheless, when trouble would press, Clancy lowered the boom Oh, oh the Clancy, oh, the Clancy Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom, 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 boom Now O'Leary was a fighting man, and they all knew he was tough he strutted round the neighborhood, a shooting off his guff. He picked a fight with Clancy, then and there he sealed his doom. Before you could shout, O'Leary, look out! Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, the Clancy! Oh, the Clancy! 
Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom, 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 boom. Now Mulrooney walked into the bar, and he ordered up a round. Draw one. He left his drink to telephone, and Clancy drank his own. That he did. Mulrooney said, who drunk me drink, I'll lay him in his tomb. Why not? Before you could pat the top of your hat, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, the Clancy, oh, the Clancy. Neighbors all turned out for Kate O'Grady's wedding night. That's right. McDougal said, let's have some fun. I think I'll start a fight. I'll join you. He wrecked the hall, then kissed the bride and pulverized the groom. What a man. Then quick as the week before you could think, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, the Clancy. Oh, the Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom, I can't wait to get up in the snow. When are we going to leave? The first thing in the morning. Now I want you girls to go upstairs and lay out all your heavy clothes. All right. Daddy, I'll bet you're anxious to get up in the mountain. Oh, I'm just a bundle of impatience. (laughs) Well, I know when we get there, you'll go up to the top of the high ski jump, take off, sail through the air, and go all the way down to the bottom of the valley. Won't you, Daddy? What daddy you talking to? Daddy, you're not afraid to go on the ski jump, are you? Who, me afraid? Ski jump? Daddy, you? He, you? Me? <laughs> ski? Jumping? Wait him out, kids. He's got to come up with an answer sooner or later. Well, are you afraid? Well, uh, I... You I... once told us that when you were in Europe, you won the Olympic ski- skiing title. The what kind of title? The Olympic skiing title. Oh, I did? I know you're too young to have your teeth fixed. (laughs) You're having trouble with them now. (laughs) And I told you that I won the title, huh? Oh, I must have been in great shape when I laid that one on him. If you want a skiing title, you must be anxious to go skiing and show us how to do it. Well, uh, yeah, I would, but... Well, you see, uh... You see, Phyllis, when I won the title, it, um... It, it was on Swiss snow. Now, what difference does that make? A lot you know about snow. <laughs> Them Swiss, they really know how to make snow. They put holes in it to make it soft. (laughs) It's one thing they never learned to make in this country. Good snow. (laughs) Us skiers have to have that imported stuff or it ain't worth our while. Well, Daddy, tell us the truth. Do you and Uncle Frankie know how to ski? Do we know how to ski? (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear that, Rebel? Yeah. (laughs) Silly child. Yeah, yeah. Do we know how to ski? Yeah, that's the one with no teeth. (laughs) (laughs) How can they ask such a stupid Girl. question? <laughs> Do we know how to ski? How long can we keep stalling them, Curly? 
They'll take a nap in an hour. Keep it up just so they get sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> so we know how to ski. So we know you, how to ski. You know, pipe down. <laughs> you don't know how to ski, so why don't you admit now, it? Now, wait a minute. I oh. do, too, know how to ski. I'm an expert. In that case, when we get up there, you can teach us how. Uh, yeah. Oh, sure. Now, you kids run along and do what your mother told you. Okay, Daddy. Come on, Phyllis. We're going to have a wonderful time. Oh, Phil. Phil, why did you tell the girls you can ski? You've never been on a pair of skis. I know it, honey. And gee whiz, I can't let my kids down. If they think I can ski, well, I'll ski. After all, what's there to it? Oh, there's a lot to it. You have to know how to make the different turns and twists. For example, do you know how to slalom? Alice, please, not in front of Frankie. <laughs> there are some things that are sacred. Phil, slalom is a form of skiing. Oh, that, yes. that. Well, I'm positively one of the best slalomists. <laughs> Baby Alice takes her good teeth after me. <laughs> Look, if the kids want me to show them how to ski, I'll show them. There's nothing to it. But Phil, I don't think you should... Come in. You might get hurt in Hello, Mrs. Harris. Remember me? I'm Mrs. Stewart, your next-door neighbor. I'm sorry to drop in unexpectedly like this. Well, I would... Don't apologize. We all look messy in the morning. Then <laughs> <laughs> that's to be expected when you have a lot of housework to do. You certainly have a big house here. My, it's untidy. Do you have any help? Well, we have a... I know. Your husband's too cheap to hire them. <laughs> I don't know how you stand it, especially with two children to take care of. Children such a responsibility. One has to be after them all the time. You can't leave them alone for a minute, I always say. That rain washed down some funny things. <laughs> Didn't seem to rust her mainspring. No, she didn't. <laughs> You'll have to excuse us We're busy packing You see, we're going on a trip A trip? Yeah. Oh, you lucky people You, I just love trips Where are you going? Well, we thought we'd go At to... this time of the year? <laughs> don't be silly I know wonderful places No, look, thanks very much, lady But don't bother Because we've already decided We're going skiing At your age? <laughs> You're a foolhardy old coot, aren't you? <laughs> wrong. It's a wonderful sport. My first husband went skiing for the first time when he was your age. He did it very well. He took off on the top of the ski jump and he started so gracefully through the air and he landed way down on the bottom. He did? Yes, he broke every bone in his body. <laughs> well, did he recover all right? I wouldn't know. Last time I saw him, he was lying there in a little heap. <laughs> so you're going skiing, Miss Harris? Yes, I am. And don't worry, nothing's going to happen to me. Why should you be the exception? <laughs> oh, you know, I just love to have the stretcher concession at those ski places. They're carrying them down all the time. Carrying them down? Yes, but don't let that worry you. If you want to go skiing, go ahead. After all, we have to take a certain amount of chances because, as I always say, life is a gamble. Well, I'm willing to gamble. Good. I'll give you eight to five. You don't come back alive. <laughs> Out of the insurance money, Mrs. Harris. Goodbye. Yes, goodbye. <laughs> Shall I wax your skis now, Curly? <laughs> <laughs> Alice, is it as dangerous as she says it is? Well, people have been known to break bones. Oh, I got plenty of bones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, Phil. You'll be all right. I'm going upstairs and help the children pack. You'd better come up and get your things ready, too. Yeah, honey, we'll be up later. I'll be... 
Oh, Remley, the kids insist that I go skiing. Remley. I ain't gonna lend you no bones. I don't mean... <laughs> Just tell me how am I gonna get out of this. Don't ask me. They're your bloodthirsty kids, not mine. Well, I don't want my kids to think that I'm a coward, so I gotta think of an excuse not to go. What are you I ain't worried go- about? What can happen to you? What can happen? Why, I'm liable to fracture my conducting finger. <laughs> or worse yet, sprain my hair curling hand. <laughs> oh, curly. Why are you always looking at the dark side of things? Because this is serious, Remley. Why, I'm even liable to break my neck and not be able to sing again. You see, there's a bright side to everything. <laughs> oh, now you've hurt my feelings. Oh, you have no reason. Curly, I- well, I'm what? sorry. No, don't cry. Well, gee whiz, you... You know I love your oh. voice. No, and to you... prove it, I want you to sing you... your new RCA Victor record for me right now. You're sweet. <laughs> Things I do to comfort this big slob. <laughs> On the warpath, Mama's fighting mad. Mama's boiling, yes, Mama's on the warpath. For Papa, Papa got in bad. He's in bad, very bad, awful bad. Mama's on the warpath. Papa's leaving town. Cause he's learned that when Mama's on the warpath, it just ain't safe to be around. Get away, get away. So if he runs away, he may live to fight another day. Before she throws him out, you can hear poor Papa yell and shout, Take to the hills whenever Mama's on that warpath. Papa's laying low, cause he knows that when Mama's on the warpath, For Papa, Papa better blow, brother blow, better blow, brother blow. Mama's on the warpath, and Mama wears the pants. Cause in our house when mama's on the warpath Poor papa pup ain't got a chance Not a chance, not a prayer he's kaput Mama's on the warpath Papa's in a jam And he knows that if mama's on the warpath He'd better take it on the lamb Better scram on the lamb Poor papa's got a hunch Mama's saving up her Sunday punch Likes him black and blue So there's only one thing Pop can do Take to the hills whenever Mama's on the warpath Give her lots of room Cause as Pop says when Mama's on the warpath She's really riding on a broom Boom, boom, boom She's a witch on a broom For Papa's got on Mama's saving up her Sunday punch She likes him black and blue So there's only one thing Pop can do Take to the hills Whenever Mama's on the warpath Give her lots of room Cause as Pop says when Mama's on the warpath She's really riding on a broom And stay out! Hey, Curly, while you've been singing, I thought of a way for you to get out of skiing. If something were to happen to you, 
You couldn't go. Hey, hey, that's a good idea. I'll pretend you that I... You can't pretend. It's got to be the real thing, and I figured it out for you. Just sit down on this ice pack. Okay. Hey, gee, this is a wonderful way for me to get a... Hey, wait a minute. Look, uh, I may be a little dense today, but how is sitting on an ice pack going to get me out of skiing? You don't grasp things very fast, do you? <laughs> Not too, no. Curly, don't you see? If you caught a bad cold, Alice and the kids wouldn't expect you to go to the snow country. Now I see. Sure. I'll just sit up. Hold it another minute, please. <laughs> what? Don't you think a head cold would be better? <laughs> Sitting on ice sends a chill through your body and you'll catch a cold before you know it. Just sit down, huh? Okay, I'll do anything to get out of this trip. There. I'm sitting on it. Ooh. <laughs> how, do you, how long do you think it's going to be before this thing gets me? Right, you'll be sneezing in no time. Anybody some... home? I brought the groceries. Yeah, 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 Julie. Just put them groceries down. Okay. <clears throat> Mr. Harris, what's that you're sitting on? <laughs> A nice pack? Oh, brother, your hangover has no sense of direction at all. <laughs> I ain't got no hangover. This may sound like a stupid question, but why are you sitting on an ice pack? Because I don't want to go skiing. <laughs> oh, I see. What do I mean, I see? <laughs> don't make no sense. Very simple. Mr. Harris's children wanted to go skiing And he's trying to catch a cold so he won't have to go Why don't you want to go, Mr. Harris? Because it's dangerous I could get killed So? <laughs> so I don't want to get killed You got a point I don't agree with you, but you got a point <laughs> There's a good possibility that you will get killed But on the other hand, you got a slim chance of coming back alive A slim chance? Uh, Curly, don't let him upset you Listen, Julius, you know he's got more than a slim chance. Now reassure him. All right. Mr. Harris, you got a fat chance of coming back alive. <laughs> Look, I got news for you, kid. I'm coming back alive because I ain't going. The only thing I'm worried about is getting out of this without losing face with my kids. I don't want my kids to think I'm afraid because I'm not. I know you're not, Curly, and I know a way you can convince your kids you're not afraid. How? When they come in, keep facing them. Don't turn around. <laughs> How will that help? That way they won't be able to see the chartreuse streak running down your back. <laughs> Just keep facing them at all times. That ain't gonna do it. Why not? That'll only call her attention to his yellow belly. <laughs> All right, kid, get on out of here. Get lost, will you? Beat it. Hey, Remley. What? This ice pack is starting to work. Yeah. I'm getting chilly all over now. I, 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 I. Yeah. <laughs> you're sneezing good, Curly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it'll help Ooh. it along if I put some ice on your chest. Yeah. Ooh. Hey, Remley, get, get a pail of cubes for my feet, too They're just doing this to confuse my little brain <laughs> Will you ignore him, Frankie, and go get me some ice? Yeah. Hurry up Hey, Phil, Curly 
Good and sick, huh, pal? <laughs> yeah, Ripley. My dose is dood and dopped up now, boy. <laughs> you think I've had a nub? No, you're not even blue yet. <laughs> you just sit there and I'll pack some more ice around. Hurry up. How is he, Doctor? Oh, don't worry, Mrs. Harris. He should be out of the oxygen tent in about three weeks. I can't imagine how he could be so sick all of a sudden. Well, probably because he was run down. He doesn't get any exercise. I advise that as soon as he gets well enough, you take him away where he can get some vigorous outdoor exercise. Well, what would you suggest? Take him to the High Sierras for some skiing. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, you've been listening to Yesterday Today. Uh, we're wrapping things up here, locking up the building and heading out before we get before we get all snowed in. Jake, keep your voice down. You're going to wake up Willie. Oh, yeah. Well, he's a he's a pretty sound sleeper. I uh, accidentally stepped on him a few times when I was uh, locking things up here, and he slipped right through it. So, yeah, I think getting stepped on just kind of reminds him of sleeping in the gutters, you know. It's nice sort of, like, comfortable. Sorry, everything uh, taken care of in the rest of the building, McLean? Can we, can we head out? Yeah, I double checked. All the windows were closed and locked. All the all the other doors are locked. Um, I left the faucet dripping. Uh, I'm not sure why, but I know you're supposed to do that. So I did that, and uh, I think I think uh, we're good to go. All right. Well, open up that front door and lead the way out of here. You betcha. Oh, oh dear, oh my! That is a wall of snow. There's a a oh. literal wall of snow. That is. Insane that that happened in like. I mean, I guess we haven't been, uh, you know, looking outside or checking the weather report at all for the last two hours. So yeah, that was uh, kind of on us, I suppose. Uh, Looks like we're stuck here, stuck here with a with a sleeping Willie and a uh, I believe Sydney's still in the attic. Um, Jake, what? I've got to get out of here. I'll never make it with Willie and Sydney. I fully I fully understand. There's got to be a way to get out of here. I understand your stress, McLean. I'm going out there. I'm going out there. Yeah, hey, you'll never make it through that drift, man. Get don't, 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 don't. get back here. Please no, get just back let me here, die McLean. out there. Don't, don't be silly. Look, right, we need to keep our heads right now. All right, we got to keep our cool. <laughs> We're gonna survive this. All right. Uh, oh, by the way, the show's okay. over, folks. Uh, see, see you next week and all that. We're we're probably going to die, but I'm I'm trying to keep the uh, you know keep the calm, keep the. Willie, scoot over. <laughs> Jake, you get the side his face is pointing to. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'll sleep in the hallway. Hey.